0: There's some weeks where looking at the two scripture choices, I think, how did these end up paired up together? But much to my delight, this was not one of those weeks. This week I was like, this story and this story? So indulge me a bit. The lesson that we heard from Genesis drops in on a moment in Jacob's life. Jacob was quite a character. Jacob is one of the patriarchs of the faith. There was Abraham, who had Isaac and Ishmael, and then Isaac, who had Jacob and Esau. Jacob is a twin. He and his brother Esau, um, they were born at the same time, but Esau was actually born first, so Esau was considered the oldest, and therefore the one that was going to carry on the family line. But at the birth, the story says, um, well actually back it up when the two babies were in their mother's womb she talks about all the wrestling that was going on between the two of them and when they are born Esau is born first and Jacob is holding on to his heel Jacob's name in his name um, is embedded the word for trickster Esau was the strong firstborn son He spends time out in the fields with his father. He is being groomed for all that work. And Jacob, he keeps to the tents, and he spends more time with his mother. A Little bit later, there's this encounter between Jacob and his older brother, and Jacob tricks his brother into giving him the birthright of the firstborn son. So there's a little tension between these two twins. And eventually, Jacob he leaves home and he enters this other household and he falls in love with this woman and he says to her father, I would like to marry your beautiful daughter, Rachel. And the father says, Okay, work for me for seven years first. And he does. Some of you may be familiar with this twist of the story. The wedding night comes, and Jacob gets married, and the next morning he realizes he has been tricked. Because he just married Rachel's older sister, Leah. He's not happy. He goes to the father, and the father's, well, in our country, we always marry the firstborn first. So you have Leah as your wife, and I will give you Rachel to be a wife as well, as long as you work for me for another seven years. So Jacob, you know, he had a part to play in this. His name, he carries, his name carries this sense of being a trickster. And he's one of our beloved Patriarchs in our faith So there's some other shenanigans that ensue Well, um, Jacob is in the household of his father-in-law and Eventually he needs to leave and so he gathers his crew He gathers his two wives and their and their handmaids So there are four women that he was taking care of and the eleven children he has with all of them so quite a household and he heads off into the wilderness. He's caught between a rock and a hard place because he's, he's got a little bit of trouble back home with his brother, and now he's in this trouble with his father-in-law's household. So he leaves, he's stepped into the wilderness between these two unknown spaces, and he's on his way back to go see his brother. And the text says that he is scared. It's his second night in the wilderness that we drop in on this story. He's left his household on one side of the river. He's crossed over. It is in the darkness of the night. He is scared, and he encounters this man that he wrestles with all night long. You ever had a moment or many moments? feel like the darkness of night and you are caught up and twisted and struggling? This is Jacob out there. And he doesn't give up. A whole night these two figures wrestle. And then as daybreak is approaching, this figure who's unnamed so far knocks Jacob in the hip. And like affects him, slows him down from their wrestling engagement. And Jacob demands that this figure um, give him a blessing. This figure says, so what's your name? Jacob. Your name is now Israel. And in the name Israel holds the meaning one who struggles with God. Is Jacob has just been engaged in this experience of struggling, struggling with God. Jacob's not satisfied. He's like, give me a blessing. What's your name? He wants to know of this other of this other figure. And this figure, this God-like figure that is engaging with Jacob, does not respond with his name but bestows a blessing on Jacob. This story connects to the story of, of Moses in the burning bush. Remember that one where Moses sees a bush that is on fire but is not consumed and he realizes there is something sacred going on and he approaches the bush and the bush begins talking. And ultimately, Moses is like, hey, what's your name? How do I know who you are, God? And the bush's answer is is a verb. I am who I am. I will be what I will be. I am being itself. So Moses at the burning bush encounters God and God's named with this verb of being. Well, here, Jacob Encounters God in this night-long wrestling match. He is named one who struggles, and instead of sharing a name, God shares blessing. Like beingness and blessing are at the heart of who God is. The gospel story that we heard, a story that Jesus tells some thousands of years after the story of, the, of Jacob and the patriarchs. There is an unjust judge, can't be moved. He's decided what he likes and that is how it is. And every day this widow comes up persistently seeking justice. And in the parable, it says that the judge finally relents, and not because he's had a change of heart, and not because he has had some epiphanic moment with God, but just because of her persistence, the judge realizes he doesn't want to be worn down. When we first hear this story, we usually assume God is in the authority authoritative roles, right? So God would be more like the judge, and maybe we would be more like the widow. Maybe we're invited to be like the widow in our persistence, in constantly seeking, in not giving up, similar to the way Jacob didn't give up that whole dark night. Debbie Thomas, who is a writer, has written an essay on this story. And she suggests that there are perhaps a few different ways of entering into this parable. There's the way of thinking of God as being the judge and we are invited to be the widow. Or maybe it could be the flip. Maybe we sit in the place of the judge and maybe God approaches as the persistent widow, constantly showing up and seeking justice. Maybe it's God in the role of the widow. And at at the time, widows did not have much power. Widows were sort of at the, the bottom of the power structure. And yet this woman keeps showing up. She doesn't lose heart. She persists over and over. Maybe that's somewhat the way that God shows up with us. Debbie Thomas writes, God delights in those who persist, those who dare to strive with the divine. Wrestling, as it turns out, is not a bad thing because it's the opposite of apathy, the opposite of resignation. It's even the opposite of loneliness. To fight with God, To show up day after day in prayer, to wrestle with our resistance in the darkest hours of the night, is to stay close, to keep our arms wrapped tight around the one who alone can bless us. Fighting means we haven't walked away. Fighting means we still have skin in the game. imagine most of us, if not all of us, have had these dark nights of the soul experiences, these times where we are caught, these times where it feels like all is lost, that all is not working out the way it's supposed to. I think on a massive collective scale, that was what the throes of the pandemic were for a lot of us. Something's not turning out the way it should. And here we are emerging from that time and still trying to make sense of the grief, of the frustration, of the sadness. Like our our world is different. Next week, some of us are gonna gather after the 10 a.m. service to have a conversation about a book written by an Episcopal priest named Stephanie Spellers. She wrote it during the pandemic, and it, she's in a. Um, it is about her experience with the Episcopal Church that she loves, and it's called "The Church Cracked Open." She reveals, she opens up some of the hard truths about our church, about our faith and tradition, and in her beautiful way, leads us to hope and to questioning to the space of curiosity about what could be next for our church. I think about all the ways in which we are cracked open. It is, there's a, um, a piece of art that I've seen that says it is through the cracks in the sidewalk that the city breathes. It is through the cracks, I think, that the Holy Spirit can do her work and help us knit back together, but differently. Jacob spent all night persisting, wrestling, striving with God. And in the end, his hip was knocked out of joint. And as the sun rises that morning, he walks with a limp. There was a transformation, there was a change that came and affected him. In the darkness, in the despair, in the fear, he didn't give up and neither did God. They were in it together. And the sun rises and Jacob, newly named Israel, walks into a new day. What new day are we being invited into? Where are the cracks that are bursting open or perhaps being knit together? And how may we stick with it? How may we show up with God as God shows up with us? And how will we be transformed?